today, I want to give you a quick review from last week and encourage you, if you haven't been following along with us, hopefully you have a binder, hopefully you've been taking your notes and writing some things in your notes. Um, if you haven't followed along with us, uh, you can catch up by going to oscconnect.com and listening to any of our previous podcasts, any of our previous messages. Um, you can also download our app and listen to the messages there. You can hear my messages and even Crowley and Jennings and the messages that are coming from there. They're not preaching the same series. This is our series, uh, but, but theirs is still great. And so I would encourage you to catch up if you can. Quick review from last week. We talked about the importance of waiting until God shows up. That's what we've been learning from the end of chapter one into chapter two is that it is, it, it is critical. Hear me in this. It is absolutely critical for us as believers to wait for God to show up. It's to wait for him to show up. Jesus gave him the instructions in chapter one. He said, go to Jerusalem and wait. And then he said, wait until God brings the promise. If they at any moment decide not to wait and to take off and to do something else, we miss the moment. I'm afraid too many of us are missing the moments with God because we're not waiting until God shows up. If you're suffering, I'm sorry, but just keep on waiting. God is going to show up. We got to come to that place today where we're willing to wait until God shows up. And God did show up. He delivered the Holy Spirit just like he promised. He came in a very, in a very significant way. We talked about four significant things about the day of Pentecost, the day when the Holy Spirit showed up. We talked about the date and the time and how important it was. it was. It was Pentecost, which means 50. It was actually 50 days from the crucifixion of Jesus. It was 50 days from when they celebrated Passover. If you remember back in Exodus, when the death angel was coming, Moses told him, he said, take some blood, put it on the doorpost. And tonight when the death angel comes, if he sees the blood, he's going to pass over that. That's when the celebration started. That's the same day Jesus died on the cross. Fast forward 50 days, God delivers the Holy Spirit on the 50th day, the day of Pentecost. And then the time was significant. The Holy Spirit showed up at nine o'clock in the morning. Why is that significant? Because the Jews had three, three sacred prayer times in a day's period. They had the 9 a.m. prayer time, they had the 12 p.m. prayer time, and the 3 p.m. prayer time. God chose to deliver the Holy Spirit at nine o'clock, the sacred prayer time on the 50th day after the crucifixion of Jesus. Tell me God don't know what he's doing. Tell me God's not perfect in his timing. You'll never discover how perfect his timing is until you wait on him. So we talked about there was a very significant sound. The Bible says there was a rushing mighty wind from heaven. Last week I scared a bunch of you because I threw on a hurricane wind. And if you had hearing aids in last week, I apologize. I didn't warn you. That was foul of me to do that. I hope your ear and your hearing have recovered in the name of Jesus. But we, I, I played the, 
the, the sound of an actual hurricane and I had the sound guys crank it up as loud as they could. And when it hit, it was suddenly, because the Bible said suddenly, there was the sound of the rushing mighty wind from heaven, meaning this, that on the outside of the building, it was perfectly calm. But on the inside of the building, there was a storm. A good storm. Come on, somebody. Then the Bible showed us that there was a fire. In fact, it says, it describes it like this, like tongues of fire, like flames of fire were setting on each of the believers. There was 120 of them in the room. And then out of that comes a language. They began to speak in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them the ability to do so. Which is really cool because previous to this moment, they didn't have that ability. But when the Holy Spirit came, they were able to do more than they were able to do. <laughs> mm -hmm. I find it very interesting and very profound that the very first reaction to being filled with the Holy Spirit, the knee-jerk reaction was for the apostles to speak. The believer's first response to the Holy Spirit, speak. You know why we're in trouble? You know why the world's in trouble? Because Christians quit speaking. Amen. The Holy Spirit, their first reaction to his empowerment, something had to come out. It came out of their mouths. And what came out of their mouths is what we're going to talk about today. Because it was important. So the Holy Spirit gave them the ability to do something they had never done before. So we got to understand that chapter two is a huge chapter. I was talking with John today, this week, and, and we were talking about chapter two. And it's like, you can't go past chapter two and get anything real unless you got chapter two. That's so why we might be three or four weeks on chapter two. Like you got to get what happened in chapter two in order to live out chapter three, four, five, and all the way into the twenties. Come on. You can't go past cha chapter two is a pivot point in the church. You know what a pivot point is? How many of you remember seesaws? Raise your hands if you remember a seesaw. You just aged yourself. You're welcome. <laughs> a seesaw was a board that had a, something in the middle and that middle point was called a pivot point. Chapter two is a pivot point in the church. I find it very interesting that God said to wait until the promise comes. Boy, you feel the responsibility of that? Wait until the Holy Spirit comes. There's importance in waiting. Mm, you have a responsibility in the waiting. Whether it feels good or not. Wait. They had a responsibility to wait for the promise to come. And there's weight that goes along with that responsibility. The disciples at this point were only used to a little touch of the Holy Spirit. When Jesus would send them out, the Holy Spirit would come upon them. But they had never known the Holy Spirit like this. And now we see the believers fully empowered to do things they were never able to do before. Watch this. This same shift is still happening today in the life of every individual. 
who would give their life to Jesus and request or receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit, that same transition happens. You go, not only do you go from spiritual death into spiritual life, but you go from being powerless to powerful, able to do exceedingly abundantly above all you can think or imagine. It's still happening today. I believe the apostles' expectations were blown away that day. How many of you have, have, have how many, I'm praying in tongues again, I'm telling you. How many of you have had God, you expected God to show up, but when he showed up, he went above and beyond that. How many of you have experienced, he blew your expectations away and you sat back going, golly, he's better than I thought. He's bigger than I knew. Oh my God, who is this God, right? He blew their expectations away. I want to share two things with you today. The first one is this. The first thing I noticed is there was a transfer in power. So up to this point, the disciples had watched as Jesus was led and empowered by the Holy Spirit to do the mighty acts that he had done. They were witnessing Jesus doing the thing. Come on, you know what the thing is, right? If you read your Bible, you know what the thing is. If you read the Gospels, you know what that thing is. It's that it could be anything. Jesus had the power of the Holy Spirit to do whatever he set his mind or his heart to do, right? So all this time, three and a half years, the apostles or the disciples were watching and observing and spectating as Jesus was doing his thing, empowered by the Holy Spirit. But there's a transfer in power. Jesus said, I'm going to go, Holy Spirit's going to come, and then you're going to do what you saw me do. It's really that simple. You're going to do what you saw me do. So what can you do? Anything that Jesus did. <laughs> Some of you like, just don't believe that. <laughs> so the power they saw on Jesus is now being poured out on them. And I really feel like I need to push this issue. Because I believe some of you don't understand that power. They're going from witnessing to partaking in this power transfer. They're going from spectators to participators. This power was so good, it got them out of their seats, out of their comfort zone, out of their comfortable place, and into the marketplace, and they brought the gospel across the globe because of this power. And that same spirit is giving us the same power today. We don't get a lesser dose. We don't get a half dose. Come on, we get a full dose of the Holy Ghost. You saw what I did right there? Meaning this, and you're going to have to wrap your head around this. Meaning this, that everything Jesus had done, they would also be able to do and more. Same spirit, same power. Jesus said it. He said it in the Gospels. He said, you'll do everything you see me doing more. Didn't he? Do you believe that or not? If you believe it, then you're going to have to start living it. Not trying it. Receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Allow him to empower you and use you, and you will see yourself. <laughs> so I pray today that you walk away knowing that you have the same power that Jesus has. I'm going to let that soak right there for a minute. 
because I just felt like some of your theology got wrecked all of a sudden. Some of your denominational theology just got bumped. Some of your belief and your mindset just got challenged. You got the same power as Jesus. Whew. Boy, that challenges you, huh? Mm. Same power Jesus got, you got. So we're going from disciples who are not filled to disciples who are filled. You're going to notice a drastic change in them from this point on. You're going to notice a change in their boldness, in their courage, in their ability, in their confidence. It's going to change right before your eyes. As you read chapter two, you're going to notice a change. Many times people ask me, Pastor, how do I know if I'm baptized in the Holy Spirit? And the question is always this, have you noticed a change in your life? Have you noticed or experienced a change in your boldness, a change in your courage, a change in your ability, a change in your confidence? If you're not noticing a change in your life, then you might ought to go back and allow Jesus to fill you again. Come on. Because every time the Holy Spirit shows up, something has to change. Chapter 2, verse 5 to 8. At that time, there were devout Jews from every nation living in Jerusalem. When they heard the loud noise, everyone came running and they were bewildered to hear their own languages being spoken by the believers. They were completely amazed. How can this be? They exclaimed. These people are all from Galilee, and yet we hear them speaking in our own native languages. We can't read past that. We cannot read past that because this is crucial. There's there's been a transfer in power, and something happened that has never happened before, and it's causing a change in the world around them. So I had a little wrestling I did this week with some of this because I was like, Lord, like what loud noise was that? Like, did they hear the wind? Come on, anybody think like me? Like, did they hear the wind or was that the tongues? Like, what what noise attracted them? Was it the wind or was it the noise? And the more I read and the more I studied, I came up with nothing. I went back and read my Bible again and I realized it's probably the tongues. Because the, the wind came, the fire came, they were filled, and then they began to speak, 120 people speaking in tongues. That's what they heard. So watch this. When they heard the loud noise, everyone came running and they were bewildered to hear. How many of you know when the Holy Spirit shows up, you should know it? (laughs) And let me ask you another question. Do you think the Holy Spirit knows how to get people's attention? So I had a quick thought. I find this funny that on this day, 120 people were speaking in tongues and it attracted everyone. 
right? Fast forward to today, in a church service, somebody starts speaking in tongues, people get weirded out and they leave. I'm going, what's going on? I'll, I'll, I'll give it to you even more. About eight years ago, the Assembly of God denomination sent out a letter to their churches encouraging them to pull back on the tongues or the manifestations of the Spirit because too many people were leaving, leaving the church. And I was like, wow, why would you do that? And then, a, and then a few years after that, the Baptists sent out a letter that said, we release you to start seeking the things of the Holy Spirit. And I'm going, which one is it? And so I asked God why. I said, why? Like, why is it so, is it so just unclear today? Like, why is it so weird, this manifestation of the Holy Spirit, this tongues thing? Why is it so, it's been weird in my own life. I realize now it's because of how I was indoctrinated. I got in trouble in my youth group because I taught on the Holy Spirit. I reprimanded for talking about the Holy Spirit to youth. My God, does our youth need the Holy Spirit or what? You gonna, you gonna reprimand? Could it be because people have tainted, diluted, and abused the manifestation of the Holy Spirit? Let's go back to chapter one, can we? What happened in chapter one? Jesus said, you will be, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you will receive power to do what? To be my witnesses all over the globe. I don't know about you, but I want the purest form of the Holy Spirit. I don't want man's impressed form of the Holy Spirit. I don't want a religion's form of the Holy Spirit. I don't want to feel like somebody's got to fall out every time I pray for them. If they fall out, great, we'll pick them back up, no problem. But if they don't have to fall out, they don't have to fall out. You follow me? All I'm really worried about is has there been a change in their life? Because when the Holy Ghost shows up, there's a change. Amen? Are we taking the world for the kingdom of God? Are we, are, have we learned how to compromise with the world and shut our mouths and not say what needs to be said? So you can't take the Holy Spirit out, but you can't keep abusing the Holy Spirit the whole time. We're always coming back to the way God originally planned things. We gotta come back. Why do you need the power of the Holy Spirit? To tell the world around you, no matter what they think about you, no matter what the circumstances are, no matter if your knees are shaking to the point of breaking, it's, it's your ability. He gives you the power for your ability to tell others about Jesus. I honestly believe that what we experienced during worship today was the purest form of the manifestation of the Holy Spirit. That was accurate biblically. And let me ask you another question. How did it make you feel? Because you wanna know what I saw? While we were all on our knees, I saw the Holy Spirit whispering in every single person's ear exactly what that person needed in this moment. 
It wasn't a clear message for everybody, though that's what the interpretation was. But when we got on our knees, that's what I saw. I hear a sniffle over here, a sniffle over there. Somebody, hmm, I start laughing. I'm like, boy, you know what you're doing, God. You really know what you're doing, right? So he says, you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. We can never get away from that. Its purpose is to build God's kingdom. (laughs) Do you know God gave us the Holy Spirit to help us do things beyond our natural ability? Let let me just, let me just bring this up too while I'm I'm just, you know, making a mess of everything. You know, supernatural is not a word you need to be afraid of. Even though some people have made supernatural kooky, you know, like you got to play some weird background music when you say supernatural, (laughs) right? Like supernatural. Come on, man. It's supernatural. What's supernatural? It's anything that you naturally have becoming super. It's when the Holy Spirit empowers your natural God-given ability and he makes it super. That's supernatural. You don't need background music for that. It's the ability to do what you can't do on your own. (laughs) Hopefully that clears some things up for somebody. So there was a transfer in power. And that transfer is still happening today. And for me, can I just share a piece of my story? For me, that transfer happens regularly. You know why? Because I'm a control freak and I like to take things back over. And God goes, okay, have it your way, Burger King. See what you're going to get. The second thing I want to bring to your attention this morning is what I call super stories. It's a story made super. Watch verse 11. It says, and we all hear these people speaking in our own languages about the wonderful things God has done. So that's what they heard. So there was, there was many different tribes or nations of the Jews represented at this festival at this time. They all came to the, the speaking in tongues event, right? And what they heard was that each nation had a different dialect and they heard the apostles speaking to them in their own dialect so that they could understand it. That's why they said, well, aren't these Galileans? Like, like they don't even speak our language. Like, how can we be hearing what they're saying? How can they speak what we can understand? Like, like what's the deal? they're blown away but what did they hear what was the apostle saying they were declaring the wonderful works of God watch this not the gospel the wonderful works of God where'd that come from their story hmm their story. Can I tell you, the minute you were born again, you got a story. Well, yeah, but I just, you know, I just raised my hand in church and prayed a prayer and that's all my story. That's not your story. The story is you were spiritually dead and now you're alive. That's a story. Right? Like go to work, say, bro, like something happened this weekend. 
Okay, like what happened? You wrecked your four-wheeler? No, bro, like I went to church. Oh, okay, that's interesting. What happened at church? I came back alive. Well, I didn't even know you was, I was dead. Now I'm alive. The minute you're born again, you have a story of God's wonder. Amen? Don't ever underestimate your, your point or your day of salvation. Hmm. Don't let the devil water it down. Don't let him take it from you. You got born again, Jesus said. Your name in that moment went in God's book. Come on, somebody. And last time I checked, God ain't got no eraser. Your name went in that book, and it's there. And on the second judgment, he's going to pull open that book, and he's going to say, Tim Nellums, come on, boy. Been waiting for you. You know, won't be in trouble. I saw you. You were like. So watch this. A.W. Tozer said, made this statement. It's so good. I'm, I'm going to read it to you a couple times. I'll read it slow. It's not on the screen. It made it to the screen. Miracle. Power. The, the media team was empowered by the Holy Spirit. Come on, somebody. <laughs> the church has lost her testimony. She has no longer anything to say to the world. Her once robust shouts of assurance has faded away to an apologetic whisper. She who one time went out to declare now goes out to inquire. She who one time went out to declare now goes to inquire. What has happened? What has happened to us? You got to internalize that for a minute. What has happened to me? That I would not declare the wonders and the works of God. Well, you see, I've been going through some stuff, Pastor, and life got rough, and life got crazy. I know, just keep sharing your story. So this wasn't a declaration of the gospel, but rather a declaration of God's great works. It's amazing. They were hearing the great works of God coming in their own language. Don't tell me God can't speak to you. It happened this morning. He spoke your language. Mm -mm -mm. You see, your story is a story of the great things God has done in your life and the life of others. Let me tell you something. I'm really good at borrowing your story. <laughs> you might not share your story. I'm going to share your story. Tell me God did something amazing in your life. I'm going to use that. Mm-hmm. In a heartbeat. Get good at declaring your story of God, and the Holy Spirit will get you good at leading people to Jesus. Just get good at telling your story. But my story ain't, ain't real big, Pastor. I, I never did drugs, and I never, I never drank anything, and I didn't do anything wrong. I was just kind of raised in the church. Yeah, but bro, you was dead, and now you're alive. Share your story about faithfulness. Share your story about God's persevering work, his preserving work in your life. Share your story about God's generational blessings and that evidently your mom and daddy did something great for God and he's blessed the generations. Share your story. You didn't need to be addicted to share your story. 
So watch this in verse 12. This is why your story is so important and your story needs to become super. <laughs> they stood there amazed and perplexed. What can this mean? They asked each other. Watch this. They just stood there. They came running. They heard some gibberish. They came running, uh, hit the brakes, slid in, the dust is flying. How can this be? They're speaking our language. They're hearing the wonderful works of God. They stood there, amazed and perplexed. What can this mean is the question they asked. Boy, this is powerful and you gotta get this today. They, had, they said this, they, they stood there amazed and complex. You know what happened is their story stopped them in their tracks. I'm gonna prove it to you that people wanna hear your story. Social media. Go on vacation. Post 30,000 pictures of your beach vacation. Somebody's gonna be on the other side looking at your beach vacation with your filters on your face and your <clears throat> everything else. And, you, and, you, and they're gonna be thumbing through and they're going, I wish I could go on vacation. Some dude just got in trouble because you went on vacation and your friend saw your pictures, got mad at her husband because he won't take on vacation. <laughs> don't tell me. Don't tell me people don't want to hear. Your story will stop people in their tracks. And this is why. They asked the question, what can this mean? Now, this is very important. Their story stopped them in their tracks. And it made them ask a question. What can this mean? Come on, pay attention. What can this mean? What are they doing when they ask that question? They're looking inside. It's called introspection. It's to look within themselves. Hmm. Your story will stop them in their tracks. They'll be amazed and perplexed and it'll cause them to start looking inward. What happens when they look inward? they start realizing what's not there. Oh, God showed up for you? Oh, God healed your bobo? Oh, God restored your marriage? Well, what's he doing for me? Introspection. Makes him look inside. Watch this. One must first recognize his emptiness before he can expect to be filled. A man full of himself recognizes no emptiness for Jesus to fill. There's too many fingers pointing today and everybody else, nobody's looking inside. That's a super story. A story that'll stop somebody in their tracks and make them realize the emptiness that's inside of them. What if your story is simply there to get people's attention and cause them to look inside. Hmm. 
You ever wonder why it's so hard to share your story? You think the enemy wants you to share your story? You think he wants the person you're sharing your story with to stop in their tracks and sit there amazed and perplexed and to start looking inside and realize they've been hoodwinked, they're empty, they're void of anything that's godly and that would cause a change to happen in their life? Do you think he wants that to happen? No, he don't want that to happen. So he's going to throw everything he can at you to keep you from sharing your story. So your story, no matter how spectacular or not, brings attention to the greatness of God. But let me warn you, your story will face possible ridicule. (laughs) Verse 13, but others in the crowd. You know there's always others in the crowd? I like it, but others. (laughs) They some but others. (laughs) Anyway, you'll get that in a minute. But others in the crowd ridiculed them, saying, they're just drunk, that's all. Let me tell you something. There's always going to be people there to contend or to confront the truth that you want to share. In fact, I'll tell you, if you're not being ridiculed lately, maybe you're not sharing your story enough. I'm going to tell this side. That side didn't believe me. Maybe the reason you're not getting ridiculed is because you're not sharing your story enough. Ridicule can be a, a gauge to tell you how much your story's working. If the enemy's not pressing back, then you're not threatening him. <laughs> so how do you know how often you ought to share your story until people get sick and tired of hearing it? It makes them uncomfortable and they start to ridicule you. Either they're going to respond or they're going to ridicule one or the other. But here's the truth. The minute you drop them the seed of your story, they got to deal with it now. Walk away. Oh, you drunk. You full of religion. You just a religious nut. I done dropped the bomb, baby. It's about to blow up in your heart. You're going to have to deal with that now because you can't get my story out of your head. You can't get my story out of your heart. You see, once I declare the goodness of God to someone else, it's now their responsibility to process it and respond. I'm not there to make it happen. I'm there to drop off the package. I'm UPS, baby. UPS, dropping my story, just like Christmas. Come on, somebody. Drop a story here, drop a story there. Drop a story here, drop a story there. And I, I just move on, share a story with somebody else. Don't fret, don't worry, don't stand over like, it's going to work. Just drop it, just go. They got to deal with it now, right? It's just like COVID. I'm coughing. <coughs> what's up Caleb and I walk away what happened I just gave the brother the COVID he got to deal with it now I don't have it what what, what if we look at it like planting a seed your story is your seed it's a super story it's a super seed I put it in the ground and then I move on and I put another one. And I move on and I put another one. I can stand over the first one till I'm blue in the face. It ain't going to grow no faster than it's going to grow. Just drop the seed and move on. 
So what happens if we quit dropping seeds? What do we get? No, we get weeds. Can't nobody get fat on weeds. Weeds. What are we living with today? Weeds. Why? Because we're not dropping seeds. We're getting caught up in politics and, and medicine. And we're chasing the wrong things. And we're dropping the wrong seeds. Just go back to the seeds of God's goodness in your life. Just do that and everything else is going to work out. So let me bring this to a close. Imagine with me for a minute if the 120 in that room refused to open their mouths because they didn't have to. Oh no, they didn't have to open their mouth. The Bible says the Holy Spirit gave them the ability to speak in other languages, but they didn't have to. Huh. Imagine if they keep their mouth shut. What happens to the crowd? Let me show you. No one hears the wonders of God. No one comes running. No one stands there amazed and perplexed. No one looks inside of themselves. No one realizes their emptiness or lack. And no one is prepared to hear the gospel. Because next week, that's what we're going to talk about. Is that right after this, Peter stands and preaches the gospel. And a miracle happens. Hmm but it could have not happened. Could have been a bunch of no ones. How many no ones do you want to lead to Christ this year? Because you can be 100% on that. Just keep your mouth shut. How many no ones do you want to experience the love of Jesus? You can get that 100% just by not sharing your story. How many no ones do you want to bring to heaven with you? Because you see, everyone we refuse to share our story with becomes a no one. Statistics show that 5 million, 500 million people around the globe have said that they're atheistic or they don't believe in God. 500, over 500 million across the globe have made that statement. Think about how many have not made that statement. Think about how many people that think they're saved, but they're not. You think that number grows? Do you think we need to open our mouth? I think one of the greatest miracles of the day of Pentecost is the opening of the mouth of the believer. That's what transformed the world.
So bow your heads with me and close your eyes, please. Holy Spirit, speak to us. I'm going to ask you two questions that I want you to wrestle with. Has there been a transfer of power in your life? Just like we read about today, has there been a transfer of power? Have you received the power of the Holy Spirit? Has that power come upon you? The answer could be many things. It could be yes. It could be no. It could be it did or it used to be, but it's not now. What's your answer? Have you received the power of the Holy Spirit? If the answer is no, God is willing to share it with you today. In fact, Jesus will baptize you right now in your seat. If the answer is yes, Praise God. But if the answer is it used to be or it once was, let me speak to that for a minute. What's stopping you from getting it again? Did you believe it was a one-time thing? Did you buy into the lie that you've done it too many times and now the Holy Spirit won't come back on upon you? Believing the lie that because you've you've been this way for so long that God's done with you? Or do you believe you're waiting in some kind of span of time called punishment? And then when God finally changes his mind about you, he'll come back around and fill you with his Holy Spirit again. Can I tell you today you're one moment away from being reconciled with God? You're one moment away from being refilled with the Holy Spirit. It's just one act of surrender. One moment. Where from the deepest depths of your heart, you turn back to God. And you say, Lord, I'm sorry. I realize I'm empty without you. I'm just natural. There's nothing supernatural about me. I realize how much I lack away from you, how much I lack apart from you. God, I come to you today. I confess this to you and I ask you to forgive me. And I ask you to pour out your spirit on me again. That's one act of surrender one turning back to God. This is what I found in 47 years. I've turned my back on God for years at a time, all the way down to minutes at a time. Every time I turn my heart back to God, he's right there. He's right there, standing there. Like I would turn around and he would almost scare me. He's right there there. It's like the prodigal son. He never made it to the house before the, the father met him at the road. God's anticipating your turn. Would you turn back to him today?
So if that's you today, nobody looking around. You just really feel in your heart, man, I just got to turn back. Maybe the Holy Spirit's knocking on the door. If that's you, just raise your hand real quick. Big hand clap. Come on, somebody. 